Welcome to the Adams Road podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter in the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Hebrews chapter 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham divided a tenth part of all, being first, by interpretation, king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, which means king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth out of the best plunder. They indeed, of the sons of Levi who receive the priest's office, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brothers, though these have come out of the body of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not counted from them has accepted tithes from Abraham and has blessed him who has the promises. But without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Here, people who die receive tithes, but there one receives tithes, of whom it is testified that he lives. We can say that through Abraham even Levi, who receives tithes, has paid tithes, for he was yet in the body of his father when Melchizedek met him. Now if there were perfection through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people have received the law, what further need was there for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is of necessity a change made also in the law. For he of whom these things are said belongs to another tribe, from which no one is officiated at the altar, for it is evident that our Lord has sprung out of Judah, about which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. This is yet more abundantly evident if after the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest who has been made not after the law of a fleshly commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For it is testified, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, for there is an annulling of a foregoing commandment because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect, and a bringing in of a better hope, through which we draw near to God. Inasmuch as he was not made priest without the taking of an oath, for they indeed have been made priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him that says of him, The Lord swore and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much, Jesus has become the collateral of a better covenant. Many, indeed, have been made priests because they are hindered from continuing by death. But he, because he lives forever, has his priesthood unchangeable. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, seeing that he lives forever to make intercession for them, for such a high priest was fitting for us, holy, guiltless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, 
who doesn't need, like those high priests, to offer up sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. For he did this once for all, when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who have weakness, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints a son forever, who has been perfected. Here in chapter 7, the writer to the Hebrews really goes into depth regarding the concept of Jesus being our high priest, a theme first introduced back in Hebrews 2.17. He had begun to discuss this issue in Hebrews 5.10 as well, but ended up taking a short detour to address some issues first. Now he's circling back to this earlier mentioned idea. A Gentile believer without the upbringing and background of Judaism may not quite grasp why the writer is going to such great depths to tackle this subject. The idea of Jesus being our high priest is welcoming, of course, but to a Christian converted from Judaism, it would also be natural to question how Jesus would have met such a qualification. After all, Jesus did not come from the priestly tribe. He came from Judah and therefore would not have qualified to serve as an earthly priest under the law. All right, so the writer is going to address this concern how can Jesus be a high priest? Verses 1 through 3 of chapter 7 is about Melchizedek. He's somewhat of a mysterious Old Testament figure, actually only briefly appearing on the scene in Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20. The writer of Hebrews expounds on this starting in verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God remains a priest continually. Okay, so it appears Melchizedek was at the very least a type for Christ from the Old Testament like King David, for example, in many ways was a type for Christ, just a man, but one whose story in Scripture foreshadows and pictures the coming Messiah in various ways. Regarding this Melchizedek, others take it a step further and argue he was more than just an ancient figure foreshadowing Jesus, but perhaps an actual Christophany or Theophany, meaning a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. While no one knows for sure, I think one could make an argument for that. Now we learn in this Hebrews passage that Melchizedek met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings. After Abraham had rescued his nephew Lot and others taken captive by a confederation of kings, he then met with Melchizedek, apparently priest of the Most High God and king of Salem, some believe a reference to the ancient city of Jerusalem. Melchizedek stood apart from any of the ancient Israelite kings in that he was both priest and king. God didn't allow the kings of Israel to be priests and the priests to be kings. Melchizedek was unique in that regard. Of course, Scripture clearly establishes Jesus as both our high priest and king. Melchizedek was a priest of the Most High God. It seems that Melchizedek held this unique office outside and independent of Abraham's dealings with God. He also seems to have preceded Abraham. I can't help but think of what Jesus said to the Pharisees in John chapter 8, verses 56 to 58. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, 
he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And so we see in verse 1 of Hebrews 7 that this great priest Melchizedek blessed the patriarch Abraham. And Abraham gave Melchizedek a tithe, or a tenth part of all, either referring to all the spoils of battle or maybe to all of Abraham's possessions in total. We also learn in verse 2 that the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. And he was also king of peace, since Salem means peace. Isaiah 9.6 calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. Now another title for Jesus in Scripture is the Lord our Righteousness. That's from Jeremiah 23.6. This Melchizedek, King of Righteousness, King of Peace, kind of sounds a lot like Jesus, huh? Now it says in Hebrews 7 verse 3 that this Melchizedek is without father and without mother. The Genesis 14 passage is silent regarding Melchizedek's genealogy. He just kind of appears once on the scene out of nowhere in this Old Testament passage. As far as the biblical record is concerned, he has no father or mother, no beginning of days nor end of life. This certainly pictures Christ who is eternal. Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, the great I Am who existed before Abraham was, the one who is God from everlasting to everlasting. While Hebrews 7 verse 3 certainly serves to reveal how Melchizedek pictures the eternal nature of Jesus, some would go further and argue it actually demonstrates Melchizedek was a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. Hebrews 7 verse 3 also highlights that this Melchizedek remains a priest forever. Some would say that this might be evidence that Melchizedek was actually Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. Jesus remains a priest forever because of the power of an indestructible life. Who else but Jesus has the power of an indestructible life to remain a priest forever? I tell you what, guys, so much meat in just these first three verses of Hebrews 7. Let's move on. Let's kind of examine this next section here of Hebrews 7, verses 4 through 10. For lack of time, I'm not going to reread the entire section, but some of what we learn is that Melchizedek is greater than Abraham because Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek and because Melchizedek blessed Abraham. The writer explains that Abraham paying tithes to Melchizedek shows that Melchizedek is in a position of authority over Abraham and his descendant Levi. As a side note, I find it fascinating that verse 8 in context seems to be saying that Abraham gave tithes that were received not by mortal men, being the Levites, but that were rather received by Melchizedek, the one of whom it is testified that he lives. Let's read verse 8. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. Again, some who lean towards Melchizedek being a Christophany might point to verse 8 as well, the one of whom it is testified that he lives. Okay, on to verse 11 of Hebrews 7. This verse tells us that the Levitical priesthood never made anything perfect. The writer is establishing the need for a better priesthood where a priest arises after this greater order of Melchizedek. And we read in Hebrews 7:12, For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. Guys, God is telling us with clarity in Hebrews, the new covenant has brought with it a change in both the priesthood and the law. 
Christians are not under the workings of the Levitical priesthood, guys. Christians are not under the Mosaic law of commandments expressed in ordinances. We have something new and better in Jesus. We see in verses 14 through 17 of Hebrews 7 that Jesus was not a priest according to the Mosaic law. Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. Only Levites could serve in that priesthood. But rather, Jesus was made a priest after the order of Melchizedek on the basis that he is eternal. He has the power of an indestructible life. And the nail in the coffin to the writer's argument is Psalm 110, verse 4, which he quotes in verse 17. Psalm 110, 4 is God's witness regarding Jesus, where he said, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So up to this point in Hebrews 7, the writer has established Melchizedek's priesthood to be greater than the Levitical, which was under the old law. And he has now proven through scripture, Psalm 110 verse 4, that Jesus is a priest after this greater order of Melchizedek. The writer has asserted that the priesthood has changed and therefore the law has changed as well. He goes on to teach that the old law was weak because it made nothing perfect. Therefore, it was set aside for a better hope through which we draw near to God. Jesus is that better hope and the guarantor of a better covenant. You see, the old covenant depended on the Israelites' ability to keep the law. But the new covenant's promises are guaranteed by Jesus' finished work on the cross. Okay, moving on. Hebrews 7, 20-21 shows us that Jesus was made a high priest by the direct oath of God. And as we continue in verses 23 through 25, we have the old changing priesthood of the law compared against the new unchanging priesthood of Jesus. That passage reads, starting in verse 23, Also there were many priests, because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. We see here that Jesus' priesthood is an unchangeable priesthood, which can also be translated as permanent priesthood or non-transferable priesthood, meaning Jesus' position as high priest remains forever. He will never be replaced by another priest since he always lives to make intercession for us. The earthly priests and the law could not remain because death prevented them from continuing in that office. But here we see that Jesus continues forever as our great and only high priest. Guys, don't let anyone convince you that you need a mediator between yourself and God other than Jesus. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is our great high priest and no one else. And it says in Hebrews 7 that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. What a blessing to know that Jesus is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Paul said in Romans 8.31, Who is there to condemn us? For Christ Jesus, who died, and more than that was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and He is interceding for us. That's Romans 8.34. And I love the example in the Gospels of Jesus interceding for Peter in Luke 22, 31-32. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, 
But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Man, I can imagine Jesus praying those same words for us today, for me personally, as if he said, Matt, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Okay, Hebrews 7, 26 through 28 compares Jesus against the old covenant priests. Jesus is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. But the Levitical priests were sinners and had to offer up sacrifices for their own sins before they could even deal with the sins of the people. And they had to do this every year, endless animal sacrifices, only temporarily covering sin. Almost like you've got a mess and you've spilled a drink and you just hide it with a rug. You've got a stain in the carpet and you put the rug over the carpet. It was only a temporary fix, kind of a band-aid, but it didn't truly resolve the issue or put away that stain. In the new covenant, Jesus offered up himself as the sacrifice for sins once for all. This sacrifice puts away sins forever, not merely temporarily covering sin. Hebrews chapters 8 through 10 will continue to expound on this concept. Okay, so the final verse of this chapter says in verse 28, For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Which high priest do you choose? Men who have weaknesses or the perfect Son of God? Do you want an earthly, sinful, mortal man to represent you before a just and holy, eternal God? Or do you want the perfect Son of God who lives forever to intercede for you? I choose Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. We don't come to God through ritual, religion, rules, institutions, or fallible men. We come to God through Jesus.
That was Stone Temples from the Adams Road album, Adams Road. This next piece comes from the Adams Road instrumental album, The Dream.
This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at adamsroadministry.com. Again, that's adamsroadministry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Feel free to join us next week as we examine Hebrews chapter 8. Grace and peace be with you all.